But uh, we're in a season of shifts. Have you noticed that? Everything is shifting. It's shifting globally. It's shifting locally. Our, Our emotions are constantly shifting from up to down to what is going on in our world. We see frustration happening. We see fear on the rise. And oftentimes, in a time of shift, we don't take the time to evaluate what we need to do because we react. And people react so many times to things that, that or they just kind of ignore it and say, I don't need to shift right now. I, it'll all work out in the end. I can promise you this. If you don't get involved directly with what's happening in our world, it will not all work out. See, that kind of complacency is what led us in to the dilemma we find ourselves in today. And we can't be complacent. You know, we were never called to be complacent or behind the line kind of people. You know, Jesus told us a couple of things. Let me just read this to you. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Does that sound like easy work? Take up your cross is what you die on. You die to self in order to live unto God. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. You see, there is a gate that's narrow, and it leads to eternal life. The wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many, many go thereby. Because narrow is the gate, and listen to this, and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. You see, one of the things that's uh, true in Scripture and also sad is that few people will go through the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. Most people say, well, you know, does it really matter what you believe? Does it really matter how you behave? Does it really, really matter when it's all said and done? Don't we just live and die and then it's all over? No, it's just the beginning. You see, eternity is a long time. Amen. And we want to make sure that you're in eternal life with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I want to make you aware of a couple of things that you can do to help bring the shift about in our world. And here's the first one. Hold the line. Sean Foyt's organization, we hosted him last Saturday here. But I want you to know that what we're going to be doing is on Tuesday. uh, Is that April 13th? Is that a Tuesday? That's a Wednesday. So Wednesday, April 13th going to be gathering there. You know that uh, last week, uh, Sean had gathered down at headquarters in Burbank for Disney. And I think we need to send a clear message that uh, the shifts that are happening in Disney are not acceptable. And uh, you say, well, what's really going on? All you have to do is go to AmericanFaith.com, put in Disney, and we'll give you all the details you want to know. The second thing that's happening is a shift that's happening in our educational system, and uh, we want you to know we're going to be hosting a, a film right here, Whose Children Are They? You can, uh, you can actually screenshot that and go to that QR code and find out information on that. That's this week. And one of the big things that's happening today is the sovereignty of children. What that means is that your children are not your children. There's a real push to say they belong to the government. And the government will decide. And the evidence of that is what they're doing with such education. You have no right to tell your kindergartner, your first grader, your second grader, your third grader what they can learn in school. That is the government's job. So we're going to show you a film. This film is not 
not acceptable for young ages, so we've provided uh, child care uh, through sixth grade, I believe is the, the number. And we want you to be here, be a part of it. You want it you, you're going to want to see this, and you're going to want to understand what's really happening. Uh, it was a good word this, uh, this past week that uh, the school board... Um, was defeated, the, the motion to push CRT into the, uh, our school district here was defeated by three to two. Can I remind you it was three to two? That means there are two degenerates out there. That's true. If you, if you see this, lit, what they want to teach our children, it's pornography. So they're degenerates. They're not just bad school board members, they're degenerates. And we need to call it what it is. We need to stand for truth in the middle of this world that we find ourselves in. Amen? Amen? All right, now I'm done with that. We can move on to Palm Sunday. <laughs> when Jesus came on the scene, he shifted perception. You ever looked at something one way and then somebody told you more of the information and you saw it from a different angle? You see, all through this time of the Old Testament, perception was there was a coming king, a messiah, who would take control of the world, he would defeat the powers that be, whether they be Greece, Rome, whether they be Babylon or Assyria, that he would be the king and he would defeat them. And yet the scriptures told us something about what this king would look like. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. This is about 500 years prior to the coming of Jesus. It says, Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. So he's writing to the Jewish crowd, And he says, shout, O daughter of Zion, of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Now, this is good news. In the absence of good leadership, God says, I'm going to bring you a king. I'm going to bring you an anointed king that's going to be unlike any other king. And your heart kind of leaps in that moment, and it says he is just and having salvation. So this is a righteous king, not an unrighteous king. This is a king that brings salvation. In fact, that when we say that word Hosanna, when the kids were crying out Hosanna, that means pray, God save us. Pray, God save us. But notice what it says about him. He is lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, a fowl of a donkey. Now, every Jewish person in that era would know this scripture. And yet somehow, when Jesus showed up, humble and meek, And on down that day, we call Palm Sunday, riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, it completely went over their heads because their perception had gone southern of reality. In fact, they had just gone completely south. They looked and they saw Jesus on a donkey. They said, wait a minute, this isn't a king that can defeat Rome. What is he doing? Why is he acting like that? And so what was predicted in Scripture was then rejected because of perception. You see, some of you have an idea of what Christianity is, and that's your perception. The reality is the Word of God. Are you looking into the Word of God, reading the Word of God, understanding what God says? I hear people all the time say, I know the Bible says that, but. Got too many but Christians in the world, amen? (laughs) I know it says that, but what about this? Or don't you think that was just for that time? Listen, the Word of God is the living, breathing breath of Almighty. It's called the inspired Word of God for a reason. It never changes. The grass withers, the flowers, they fade, but the Word of God, the Bible says, will abide forever. 
Thy word, O Lord, is written in the heavens. It is eternal. So the word of God is eternal. Read the word of God, you'll be blessed. You say, well, I've tried reading it. I don't understand it. Keep reading. Ask the Holy Spirit to interpret it for you as you read it. You'd be surprised how much you'd get just by reading it five minutes every day. It's amazing. Well, look what it says in Luke chapter 19. Now this is a follow-up from Zechariah, and we're seeing the reality of that fulfillment of that scripture. As he, that is Jesus, was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen saying. Now, I just want to say this. They were loud and they were excited. Now, a lot of people think Christianity shouldn't be loud and excited. Well, you're going to be really disappointed in heaven because every time you read the book of Revelation, they're shouting, they're yelling, and it's loud noises and symbols. Amen? So you see, it's okay to get excited about your faith. If you can get excited about baseball or football, you ought to be able to get excited about Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, look what they said. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But some of the Pharisees, now these were the religious Jewish leaders, they called him from the crowd and they said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, they knew what was happening. The people were recognized Jesus as the Messiah of the Old Testament. And they said, we can't have this. It's one thing if he's a teacher. It's one thing if he's a rabbi. It's one thing if he works miracles. But to call him the Messiah is to call him God. And they knew what was going on. And they said, Jesus, the crowd is getting out of hand. Tell him to be quiet. And look what Jesus said. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. In other words, you can try to quiet people down, but all of creation is gonna resound with the glory of Almighty God. In fact, Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day in and day out, his his glory seen. There is no place on the earth that the circuit is not seen. God is God, amen? God will get glory whether you give him glory or not. But he wants you to give him glory. He wants you to give him praise. He wants you to sing his praises. That's what you were created to do. You're a creature, he's the creator. You're an image bearer. You're created in the very image of God. Right now we have a nation crying out to God, but they're crying out, save us from a bad economy. Save us from a bad president. Save us, save us. We need to be crying out, save the soul of our nation. The soul is what is at risk here. It's the very heart that is, that is getting eaten alive by sin and debauchery in our world. You see, Jesus not only shifts perception, but he shifts the atmosphere. Now, I don't know if you noticed it, but you came in off the parking lot, and some of you were arguing with your wife. Your kids were not acting right. You were thinking about your job. You had your mind going down one direction, and you came in here, and all of a sudden, praise started coming, and the atmosphere began to change. And after a little, after a few minutes and a few songs, you said, well, you know what? I think things are better than I thought they were. I love God, and you begin to praise God. You see, you can change your own personal atmosphere by your praise. You see, if you find yourself constantly going down in a downward spiral, listen to what you're saying and examine what you're thinking. 
it very well could be that you're the one that's bringing you down. Because in this world, Jesus said, you will have your tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. You need to understand that you are a world changer, that you are living in the power of Almighty God, and everything that comes against you, regardless how hard it is, you're gonna stand. You're gonna stand. That's part of the promise that means to walk with God. So Jesus shifts the atmosphere. Let me show you this this story from another uh, gospel writer, Matthew chapter 21, verses uh, 10 and 11. It says, when he had come into Jerusalem, the city was moved. The Greek word is seismic. It's the word we use to describe an earthquake. This was not just people got excited. People got moved when Jesus came in. It was as if the entire city of Jerusalem was shaken. There was no one who didn't realize what was happening in this moment. And it says here, who is this? The multitude says, this is Jesus, uh, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So they're wondering, well, why is there such a stir about this man? What is it that brings this man uh, so much attention? You know, the Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you realize there's coming a day in the future, we don't know how far, in the future where every knee, every sinner, every despotic ruler, every evil person will bow their knee at the name of Jesus and confess that he is Lord. They will not be saved. They will not go into heaven. They will go into hell. You see, it'll be too late. Everyone will confess Jesus as Lord. Some will do it in time, but all will do it in eternity. The question is, will you be in heaven or will you be in hell? It's not pastor. It's really not popular to talk about hell. That's okay. Jesus spoke more about hell than he ever spoke about heaven. I'm just quoting the master. Don't take it up with the busboy. <laughs> Amen? Take it up with the chef. Jesus, why are you so concerned about people? Because the wages of sin is death. Death means separation from God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I mean, isn't that something to shout about and get excited about? Do you realize if you know God, you have been saved for all eternity from the power and the penalty and the very presence of sin in your life? That's something to rejoice in, amen? All right, who is this? Why, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 26 and 27 says. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Do you know that when Jesus died, he shook not only the earth and Jerusalem, he shook all of heaven? all the demonic spirits, and all the angels of God. All of them were shaken. They said, what is this that's happening? Do you know how the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter that even angels look into the death of Christ and wonder at the grace of God? You see, because Jesus never died for an angel. He only died for you. He he didn't die for your dog or your cat. I know you think they're gonna be in heaven. I hope they are. Just in another quarter. The cat's in another quarter. Amen? (laughs) How many cat lovers do we have in here? Okay, well, we're going to pray for them. (laughs) Amen? You know, you either love cats or you don't. Amen? But everybody loves dogs, don't they? See? 
Well, it's a dog, it's a dog eat dog world. All right, now, not only this, yet once more, look what he says, indicating the removal of those things which are being shaken. Did you hear that? When God removes things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. You know what can't be shaken ultimately is the believer. Have you thought about that? You say, well, how come I'm so shaken? Right? Well, there's two possibilities. Number one is you're not living close enough to God and walking with him daily. Number two is you don't know him. See, those are the only two possibilities. You say, well, do you ever get afraid or shaken or whatever? Of course I do. But I try not to stay there. Amen? You see, I, I got to go, wait a minute, God. I've got to get my bearing on this one. I've got to go back, and I've got to fall into the presence of Almighty God. Because to human, we're, we're human still, right? Even though we're saved, we're humans. We've got to struggle, and we've got to go through the, 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 the events of, of life on a daily basis. And when you do, when you're, when you're hit in the face, when you hit a wall, when things go wrong, just say, God, I am shaken right now. Would you just give me strength? Would you take away that spirit of fear? Would you give me power, love, and a sound mind in this moment? Would you give me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding so I can see this from your perspective and not my perspective? And that's what happens. We just kind of get things reduced down to our perspective, and, our, and then we create the atmosphere that goes along with our perspective. Create a different atmosphere. I always say that don't curse the ground you're walking on. People say, how's it going? Horrible. Well, how was it yesterday? Bad. What do you think about tomorrow? Oh, it's going to get more difficult. Well, you don't got a chance. You've been speaking bad about your life for past, present, and future. What do you expect to happen? You know what faith is? Faith is throwing that which you want to see God do in your future, and you walk into it. I'm going to walk into the presence of God. I'm going to walk into the fulfillment of God's promises. I'm going to let God direct my path in everything that I do. And if I get off, I'm going to get back on. You know, it says in Proverbs that, uh, that the, uh, the righteous man falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked are not so. You know what happens when the wicked fall? They just say, well, that's just the way it is. Righteous falls down, makes a mistake, gets back up. Seven, number of completion, it's, it's just the model of your life. Not perfect, forgiven, and on the right path, amen? So it says here, God is going to look, that are being shaken. Things are being shaken right now. You know what's being shaken? Governmental systems are being shaken. Currency, monetary systems are being shaken in our world. I mean, I get questions all the time. Should I buy gold or guns? I'm gonna go with the guns, then you can get the gold from the people that don't have the guns, amen? No telling how I'm going to get quoted on these things. <laughs> but things are being shaken. Everything is shaking. Educational system's shaking. Your culture shift shaking. I mean, how about the price of a house today? You're glad right now because you're not buying. And you go, look how much my house is worth. Yeah, it's worth a lot. But you can't sell it because you can't afford another one. Amen. So Jesus, what does he do? He shifts perception. He shifts the atmosphere, but he also shifts dominion. Dominion. Isn't it interesting that that whole voting system was called dominion? 
take control over something. You know, it's just an interesting play on words. And regardless what your perception is of what happened in the election, the name of the, of, of the system tells you a lot. I don't want anyone to have dominion over me except God. Revelation chapter 15 and verse 4 says this, For all nations shall come and worship before you. He's looking now into the future, and he says, you know what? There's coming a point at which every nation, the nation of Iran, Germany, Russia, China, they're all going to come. They're going to come. It says, worship before you. Your judgments have been manifest. What that means? God reveals judgment. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It says when he comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and coming judgment. So let's look at that. What does the Holy Spirit do in our life? He, first of all, he brings about a conviction of sin. So the Holy Spirit comes, you go, and he just kind of speaks to you in that still small voice inside your head and your heart. And he says, you know, that wasn't really smart. You're right. That was probably, I need to confess that to the Lord. So of sin, okay? Righteousness, the need to be righteous before God, to live your life for him, not for you. Live your life for him. And then coming judgment. One day, everything is going to be judged. So I, I want to get I want a clean slate before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen? How do you do that? You confess. Confess means to agree with God. I confess to you, Father, that this was sinful and I need to be forgiven. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 says, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. You see, that's the Christian hope, right? And hope is not wishy-washy like the world's hope. Hope means confident assurance of what God has promised God will provide. Amen? You see, that call to follow Christ that we began are these words, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the narrow road. Enter by the narrow road, Jesus said. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, but narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. I want you just to go back. If you're, if you're a Christian, you know without a shadow of a doubt, you know the Lord. I want you to go back, if you can remember, the day that you confessed Christ as Savior. It might have been last year. It might have been 20 or 40 or 50 years ago. I want you to go back to that time. Do you remember how monumental and how exciting it was to know your sins were forgiven? And how pure and how simple and how every page of the Bible came alive. And you're going, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I want you to know that Jesus is the same Jesus. That book is the same book. God wants you to go back to your first love. Go back to loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Amen? And love your neighbor as yourself. Go back to that day. If you say, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian. I'm not sure if I've ever been born again. Well, you know what? I don't want you to leave here without at least knowing how and having an opportunity to receive Christ. So I'm going to ask you all to stand with me right now and just bow your heads. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud, a prayer of salvation believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. Doesn't say you might be. Got a good shot at it. You know, 
Say, well, I, I hope I'm saved. No, you got to get away from a hope-so kind of salvation into a no-so kind of salvation. Amen? I know without a shadow of a doubt, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been saved. And when that happened, his Holy Spirit came to indwell me. That can't be better than that. Amen? So let's just bow our head and, and just pray out loud this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sin. You were buried in a tomb. You rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Now in your own words, right where you stand, right where you sit, just thank him for saving you. Just thank him right now. It might be as simple as, God, thank you for hearing my prayer. You see, we're saved not by works, not by how good you are, but by faith. That way you can't glory in your works, you only glory in God, amen? Now let me ask you something. How many of you received Christ today? How many of you prayed that prayer and said, Pastor, I prayed that prayer? Would you slip your hand up? Right. Jesus said, if you confess me before a man, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Give God the glory, amen and amen and amen.